hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a podcast where we search for meaning. My name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. This week we're talking about judgment. That sounds quite heavy. These all sound quite heavy. That's the problem. Do you problem. think they put people off? I have. Well, we we know that it puts people off. Now we have we have, um, we have one um, data point. We have well, yeah, like evidence. But you know, I've been suspecting this for a while. I had a bit of a freak out this week about. Well, is it better to I don't, go the other way, like the Buffy route, where you have something that is ostensibly very shiny and commercial and friendly and easy in genre? And which then brings in much deeper themes as part of its narrative while still servicing that sort of like entertainment thing? Or is it better to just just make it all, all everything look like homework? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I have thought about it. But uh, despite my profession, I've done no research on the subject. <laughs> well, we could do a little survey, couldn't we? We could. I don't know what the... Poll. Survey. I'll just say poll. Is grand podcasts? Do they always sound too hard? Well, <laughs> how often do you feel like listening to us? Never. No, just nearly never. Really hard work. Uh, should we talk about this week? Um, let's get started. Into the music. <laughs> Michael, how was your week? My week, I've been thinking about rich executioners. Apparently uh, the executioner class was a sort of slightly separate type of person that wasn't allowed to mix with normal people. And even though they could get lots of money and they did, sort of did the jobs that people didn't want to do, this is back in the old days, listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, I just I thought it was interesting that they, they could actually be really rich, but they would still be sort of total outcasts because of what they do. And, you know, they had to sort of marry other executioner families, you know. So it was this strange sort of weird social caste. So it's wow. funny to think of a, a rich but still ostracised social caste. I mean, you can understand why they might be ostracised. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what in you makes you be that well it's like your dad was one you know i think and then you're Mm. sort of like stuck with it really once your father's an executioner you're kind of from an executioner family and you just have to learn to do that and you don't really get to go well i thought i might be an artist because like basically if you you, no one's allowed to eat sit with you in a in a you know in a tavern you know no one you know it's there was all these kind of social rules around it um i've also been watching stuff about history of transformers discussions like this guy talking about all the kind of disparate Transformers universes and and that was this was something I loved when I was a kid like the UK Transformers comic um it was my is what my 32p pocket money went on every week um I like this Transformers writer because I like the comics but then when I found out that the way that he'd explained the existence of female Transformers before they decided that they were going to change it so that there wasn't such a thing but then later they changed it back again but the explanation for the existence of them was that some human women's rights activists were protesting, so they had to exist. So that they had to be manufactured. That was in, in the, the comic. comic. 
was like the Transformers. I'm like, so mate. a comic aimed at like eight year olds. Yeah, like oh, some some in this there's these alien robots from space that come to Earth and have their war from you know all these battles, and then in the comic when they needed to explain why they existed when they sort of said that they didn't exist before or whatever. Women's rights activist, women's lib. It's not, it's not a very imaginative explanation, <laughs> it's not, is it? It's like, <laughs> it's like, so, it's like my mum made me do it. Yeah, very disappointing. <laughs> very disappointing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's sort of made me think, Simon Furman, come on, you can do better than that. Um, and who is Lame. still writing the comics even now, decades later. Um, Should we write to him? I might have to say, Simon, what, what the hell? Write him a sternly worded letter. <laughs> I'll put the I'll put the link. I'll put the video up for that. Um, and finally, yeah, I, I played a sort of like this this friend of mine who is a sort of techno DJ and into music hardware and got me into modular synths sort of a couple of years ago. He was doing this sort of open mic, but you sort of bring drum machines or whatever night. So I, I sort of brought some gear along to that last night, and. Um, Play a little bit of music. Play basically sort of played some music with this sort of twenty-one-year-old music student who had some sort of noise-making boxes, and I tried to make it sound like a bit more like dance music. And this is something I've for ages I've thought it'd be. I, th- I think it's really interesting how if instead of having pre-recorded music, there's so much you can do with connected music equipment to kind of create that sort of techno, you know, sort of dance music just as you go. I thought this was a really rich vein. But it was sort of last night seeing seeing it done really well by this guy, Tom Bulwa. He, he'd sort of really well prepared lots of very expensive equipment as well. Then seeing other people trying and there being, oh, there's always technical problems there's always like you can't quite hear what you're doing you sound is a really hard thing to get right and if it's off it's off like so if the mix is a bit off so when I was playing the other guys it was a bit loud it's sort of cut through awkwardly and it was a bit loud and and um and then my stuff I'd touch something and it would crackle a little bit and there's so many ways in which sound can be bad and you know it's weirdly difficult thing so and I'm, I'm starting to have second thoughts about whether you can sort of generalise that type of musical performance because there's so much consumer hardware, so much stuff you can buy and do it, but it's so easy for it to sort of not sound good or get a bit repetitive or get a bit boring that maybe it is something that just singular artists can pull off and it's not really something that you can like broaden out and become more of a wider trend. Isn't that though a function part in part of the complexity of the machine? I mean, you know, your violin can be out of tune or your piano could be out of tune, but there's not that much there's not there's not that much variation in wrongness well, whereas with bunch if you if you plug in a load of you know um, complex machine instruments mm. then there's just more to go wrong. Well, with digital or well, more to not get right. So it's particularly with digital equipment and something I learned at university in a sort of signals and noise lecture that thing is the military don't use digital, digital. transmissions. No. Because when digital goes wrong, it just cuts yeah. out entirely or it can just stop entirely. Whereas analog, yeah, there's yeah. that kind of, you can sort of maybe yeah. listen harder yeah, and like yeah. figure it out. So, and the same with sort of digital music gear and analog gear. So, I, my gear is mostly analog now, um, which means that 
it's slightly less prone to this thing of with digital equipment, you can just like nudge the wrong thing and it can just completely change yeah. the entire sound just with a kind of whisker, you know, and that can be a real, you could just accidentally turn it off or it can accidentally, it's, it's, it tends to be quite all or nothing. Well, I mean, by definition, it's sampled, not, mm. you know, it's not a continuous wave. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's like a, you know, by by definition, basically, if you're if you're just sampling something, and then the something's not quite right, you're, you know, it very quickly yeah. deteriorates or disappears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And with sort of software synthesizer and stuff, it's just like you've got to be so gentle with it, and you can't really thrash it like a guitar. You can't really, and that's no, something no, that's no. a source of frustration for me. You know, I kind of think that what you're you're not saying that it's not possible. You, your conclusion is wrong. Well, <laughs> my conclusion is it's, it takes a lot of skill to pull it off, yeah. and it's not something that's I think is as accessible as no, I thought it was. I don't think it's was. accessible. Yeah, because of the equipment thing, basically, mm. and you need the skill in the equipment. Oh God. That, you need more complex technical skills because mm. I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm saying you don't need skill to play a violin mm. really well or play mean, a piano, yeah. but it's just you you kind of need to have skills in music and in technology yeah, in order to do it. And I, it gets pretty rarefied, yeah. And I like, yeah. Well, I mean, and let's face it, the way you solve problems with kit is by being methodical, narrow thinking, step by step. And the way you, the way you need to think when you're being creative is all free yeah. and open mind. And it's kind of a conflict. So I'm, I'm not surprised that you... I think it's very hard not to get frustrated in those situations because mm. you're in conflict with yourself, yeah, for starters. Yeah. And you it's know, like you like, want to kind of prepare, like the technical side, you want yeah, to kind of yeah, be prepared yeah. by doing that. But then in yeah. the moment, you just want to be present. Yes. And I think I did. I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll link to the live stream. Like, I think we pulled off some good moments. But yeah, it was just a, it's just like, yeah, it's hard to yeah switch between those two modes, as you say. How was your week, Ivanka? How was the, uh, how's the foot? Is it better? Have you the been running? Foot. No, I haven't been running, partly because we've got to drive across Europe and I didn't really want to make it worse because I, ca I can, it's, um, I didn't want to go for a run and then upset it. Yeah, but yeah. I have done a lot of walking, you know, I've been walking normally. I've been wearing this support thing and I've, you know, run up the stairs at the station to get a train and stuff because I had to go to London <laughs> okay. three times this week. Yeah, you just practically, you might as well move three. back. Three. I went, and yesterday, just as I was about to get on the train, that thing, that dreaded thing happened where the timetable just went red <laughs> with cancelled trains. I was like, oh. Yeah. So the ankle is definitely on the mend. I had a very good week, actually. I ran a training course for how to do user research analysis, and I was a little bit... I wanted to do a good job. <laughs> so I was kind of... I haven't run a training course for a very long time, and this part mm. of my new... Um, career direction <laughs> it's user research coaching and training and that kind of thing but analysis is quite an interesting thing to try and teach because it's a qualitative activity so mm. I'm not teaching anyone any sums or anything oh you know I, I thought quite long and hard about how to do it but I think I got I, you know I, I think I had some I had very good feedback I did. Mm. I made the schoolgirl error. I completely neglected to consider when we might have a break and things like that. So right. I'd focus so much on the content that I'd, I'd forgotten to go. And what time does everybody like to have lunch? Until it was yeah. kind of lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's talk about judgment. Let's talk about judgment. Sometimes I get anxious about something and I, and then someone says, oh, it's because you're worried about people judging you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. What's that? That feeling of being judged. Why don't we like it? I always find it a bit unfair. I think it's actually, reductive. Well, it's, I have a childish response to it, which is, I think, that I've then over time tried to you know work with <laughs> in the in the self-awarenessy way um i think i have this yeah but you don't know about mm. you know like when you're working on a project that's very public and people are slagging you off on the internet and you're like you know you actually just come and do my job for a day and then judge me so i have a bit of that mm. a bit of like you're that's not fair you don't know what it's like yeah but someone does have to be qualified to, to to judge, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about the whole kind of Christian thing of Peter, Saint Peter at the gates of heaven, who kind of reads you your whatever. Is that <laughs> he what he tells does? you whether you can come in or not, so uh, the, based the on judge. a judgment of your life. But that's you know Saint Peter. He's obviously you know qualified in this. <laughs> he's had training and practice. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but, and then judges. You, you yeah. know, you, you sort of expect. <laughs> you, so someone has to. You feel like someone has to be qualified before you're going to accept any judgments. Yeah. And if they're not, then it just make, it winds you up, doesn't it? Because you're yes. like, well, you, you have no right to. Yeah, I, and it's, when I think of judging, I was thinking more about how I feel when I'm judgy, when I judge mm, people. Yeah. So there is something about being qualified to judge somebody. I suppose that's how, you, I mean, grades are a judge, aren't they? The Well, you, that's sort of like, so when I think of judgment, I'm thinking of the sort of informal expert type of judgment, whereas sort of where they try to formalise judgments on you through education and through exams and through sort of like normalizing how we're going to rank you yeah assign you scores iq tests it's sort of like technology in that it's supposed to replace in an intelligent assessment you're, you're trying to re replace me saying oh you seem quite clever or understanding that someone's quite clever with here is a sequence of questions at the end of which we can automatically determine whether or not you are intelligent. I think I don't know. that's ultimately because, as as discussed, I hope maybe in previous episodes, but certainly sort of if you're doing any sort of cognitive psychology, we basically, we don't remember anything. We don't see anything properly. We don't hear anything properly. We're an incredibly, like... We just make everything up. So <laughs> so then I think there's this there's this lack of trust and confidence that and we want to defer to something that's measurable, like this person is this many centimetres high, which is mm. and we want to apply that to inter you know, non tangible characteristics. And I can kind of understand the drive to do that, but I don't I'm not always sure how useful it is. I think good good judgment that's easier to accept, I, even in terms of like estimating a project, how long is this going to take? You're sort of like having to, I don't know, let, there's some judgment in that. Yeah. But you, the way I kind of make it easier on myself is by just, and like easier to explain to a client or someone else is to just sort of break it down into, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. That's like one day. That's one day. That's one day. That's two days. And just like, if you break it down and say what your data points are, it's easier to take 
if that person judges you but then presents the data that they they have used to form that opinion yeah, yeah so yeah. that then you feel like you can go okay but you're missing this data point as if someone sort of like just judges you and then doesn't give you a chance it's just inside their head and it's in their eyes yeah. and you can't really you can't really defend yourself against <laughs> that because you you don't know where they're coming from so much yeah i mean if you're going to be judged you want to know the criteria yeah. you're being judged <laughs> I think that's fair that's how it works with beauty pageants and things as well like oh, yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah. she's got five for cooking six for <laughs> dancing seven for general I'm opinion not, you know. I'm not sure they do cooking but I like the idea I don't know I feel like dancing. probably not anymore but I'm sure they used to possibly yeah that's true <laughs> It's easier to accept a judgment if you come out of it looking good. <laughs> well, and this is kind of, well, I don't know if it's connected to things like horoscopes or you know, those kinds of things that are flattering, which is sort of makes you want to believe them. So, yes. yeah, like a positive judgment or a positive, you know, someone yeah. saying You're positive right. things about you is really like, oh, that is, yeah, yeah that, mm-hmm. I'm definitely like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really am yeah. in tune with my emotions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very nice when somebody writes something nice about you on the internet, but we can't attribute that more value than we're attributing a negative one. You know, if you can't, you have to try not to get, just because someone says something nice, you can't let the sort of happiness that that provokes outweigh the, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I know what, what you mean. Is, and as a sort of, you know, as an artist, when you're, you know, you put stuff out there, you've got to sort of go, right, I, I don't want to take on board any of the negative opinions about me, but that also sort of means that I've got to kind of take any praise with a pinch of salt as well. But then it just means it's like, well, what's the point then? You know, but you do I, need I, you know. feedback. Don't, you know, one yeah. a person, one needs feedback or reinforcement or whatever. It, you know, that's what it is, isn't it? On Based on the criteria that I may or may not divulge to you, I formed <laughs> this assessment or made this observation, right, you know, yeah. isn't okay. it really? So yeah, can- uh, that's, yeah, so <laughs> someone judging you, that's that's what that's, yeah, if, they, if they're just, that sort of like negative sense of, oh, what, you're judging me secretly is the mm. subtext to that you're with secret criteria that <laughs> i have no access yeah. to so then hence no defense i don't really know how different it is to a decision because if you you know well, if it's you- a conclusion right it's you know it's like i've reached a conclusion after which i'm going to stop thinking about this you i'm not going to think about you anymore i've reached my decision <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of all the uh, sort of religious philosophy type things. I think the one that I most like to read about and have for quite a number of years is Buddhism. I quite find it quite interesting. I do think that I'm, despite some of the comments I make on this podcast, I feel that I'm not a particularly judgy person. Or if I do judging, I sort of keep it to myself. <laughs> the people that I have who are my friends, I'm quite accepting of all their foibles, not in a way that's like, oh... That person does that all the time, but more, that's who they are. That's what they do. I mm. want to be friends with them. You know, I've got to accept it. And the, the mm. sort of Buddhist judging thing is a bit, a lot, it's, it's sort of making an observation without that negatively impacting on you. So you've got a friend who's always late. You can go, oh, they're always late. Or you right. can go, they're always late. It's just a statement of, you know, and there is a difference. 
Yeah, so I suppose a judging something, forming a conclusion is often attached to an emotional response. Judgment just brings up all sorts of words like forgiveness and because mm. like, you know, you've made a you've made a judgment, so now what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with it? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, now, you know, in this sort of legal sphere of somebody went to court, the evidence was evaluated yeah. against some rules that are public. <laughs> well, against some well, no, but I think legal judgment is interesting because because it's all around precedent yes. and it's all around one judge kind of setting a precedent. Crazy things happen and as time has gone on, someone has said, OK, well, I actually think that there's a you've made a good point and there's a good case. But then it seems like those precedents get turned into a sort of currency of their own. It's sort of easier to justify a, judge, a judgment if there's precedent for it. Yes. But then, but then why shouldn't you be setting new precedents all the time because the world is full of all sorts of crazy situations that you can't really predict and you certainly can't systematically cover. I know there's some experiments with like a parking ticket appeal bot, but is there a judge bot around on simple things like parking? um, Have I imagined that? Where some legal... Some of these very... um, much more measurable things that need to be judged. But personally, I think of all of the human faculties that we could automate, I feel like judge is one of the last ones we can sort of figure out because you need to be a conscious, you need to be a person with a lifetime of experience, a deep understanding of the world, a deep understanding of the cultures and situations. And I'm sure we'll get there eventually, but like artist... It's very much at the other end of what we can automate. Yes. Um, but yeah, like you say, like if, if there is literally, it's a, someone's just following a checklist to check whether or not a parking ticket is required or is appealable, mm. then that's a different sort of thing. I think one of the things that's hard and that makes it difficult to create the rules and program a judge <laughs> is mm. the circumstance element. So you've got... You know, a person went past a speed camera and they were driving too fast. So, you know, yes, that that's a black and white sort of situation. They either are or they're not, and they get yeah. issued with a parking ticket. However, in appeal mindset or appeal land, mm-hmm. one could describe... I don't know if this is any legal sort of place, probably a very bad example. You know, mm-hmm. the, I was in the car, my child was really sick and I had to get her to hospital, blah, blah. You can imagine that whilst the you probably still have to pay the parking fine or the, the speeding mm. fine but the extenuating circumstances might i still think you'd get you know still sets the precedent still set, yeah. it's still like you know but that things like that speed of driving is a very much a measurable yeah, thing I, so yeah. judgment applies where stuff is less measurable so even though on one hand it softens the blow of judgment to for someone to tell you what they've measured what questions they've asked and what conclusions they've reached when you boil judgment down, it's really the stuff that can't be measured that it's it's having to kind of make sense of. In a way, it's almost like giving somebody a parking ticket is more about measuring than judging. Yeah. Because it's just yeah. like, you know, the time has run out. And it's like, so that's a measurement. But then the judging, and even like if we go back to our grading story, like you sit an exam and somebody measures your answers, kind of, you know, they're for correct. And I then, mean, yeah. but then the judgment. I don't, I'm not sure the grade is a judgment, but rather the thing that comes afterwards, where people kind of go, "Oh, 
you only got a or you got a you know so I suppose both are but different but then I think this is why I guess that's why I preferred subjects or found subjects easier at school that were more like maths things like logical deductive like science and whereas something like an English essay where the score is really much based on the judgment of the examiner, especially if you don't know who that's going to be, so you don't know what sort of thing they're into, it just feels like a bit more of a sort of crapshoot. It's just like, well, I don't know what this person's like. So I, I sort of preferred the ones where I didn't feel like I would be at the mercy of human judgment. Or I, maybe I did better at the ones that I wasn't at the mercy of human I don't know. I think it's different. I think I just didn't know how to remember, save facts into my well, brain. I mean, I'm just you, at- you, the Slav education system, your teacher graded you. There were no central exams and so they set the questions they mark them they and if the teacher didn't like you (laughs) Mm. as occasionally happened with me if it Mm. was maths it didn't matter that they didn't like you yeah or it didn't necessarily affect you but if it was a different subject you know they could just read your essay and say it was nonsense and that was bad (laughs) there's not a lot you can do about it really you had one teacher because uh, I did enjoy it and was pretty good at maths. And so I did these extra maths classes. And what she would do, because you had to always have a written test and an oral test. So, you know, right, get on the blackboard, answer this question, solve this. And then and yeah. um, there was this one teacher who really didn't like me. And she would divide the blackboard into two and have me on one side and somebody else on the other. And then she would talk to the other person the whole time whilst what? I was answering my question and then one time she just turned I'd done mine I I was waiting for her to finish talking to the other person and she just looked at it and went you didn't do that somebody helped you and then dismissed my answer it's just just this but that's what happens when you're at the mercy of a person who has all the power they can Mm. judge you they can do whatever they want you know it's like they they really can that your your recourse is minimal I, I can see how, in a way, it did me a few favours. Like hmm. I had a philosophy teacher um, later on when I was older and he, I, you know, he'd got it into his head that I, you know, wasn't that good a student or whatever. And that's the other thing. They make a judgment on nothing, you know, and then that's the yeah, grade they keep giving you. And so he's like, he, so it was the end of the year and I wanted an A. So he asked me some questions because that's what they do. You're literally standing in class answering questions in front of everybody and then a grade is a sign. <laughs> so I answered the questions. He was like, right, that'll be a B. I was like, no, I know this mm. subject for an A. You've got to ask me some more questions, mm. you know, until you're satisfied that, that I yeah. know this subject for an A. And he was like, you know, come on then, Mike, what about this? And, and uh, you know, and then we, you kind of then have a opportunity with some of those te- with some people like that to actually take them on and go no 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 your judgment is wrong right. let me let you, me explain. you're not it's not time for judgment i need more yeah that's the only way <laughs> to know, kind like, of you're you've not... just got to kind of drag it out and i suppose that's why you know in legal <laughs> things it's like you've got that choice of do i drag this out indefinitely or do i just kind of put a lid on it and just kind of like say okay fine i lost yeah, you know you, yeah but that, you know, the last time that's anything like that happened to me was this passport thing, like where, you know, I'm sort of having to... I mean, in this case, it was me tr- giving the person behind the desk enough 
evidence and bits of things in order for the judgment of her manager to be in favor of me getting like uh, whatever yeah, expedited yeah. thing but like I, completely the mercy of someone that and you could just even when she told it to me I could I could just see this kind of like this sort of like arrogant attitude of someone like looking at a thing now nah, well, I just didn't yeah. and yeah. like just that sort of snap kind of I, I know I know everything that's happened and I, but yeah in that situation she just kept going back and back on my behalf as we kind of uncovered more possible things we could use and just kind of fueled it as much yeah. as possible so it's but, of, but you need yeah. yeah you need the person doing the judging to afford you the opportunity yes to, yeah and I, and maybe that's like in a situation where we're judging you know mm. it's those snap judgments that I think are most offensive and yeah. most wrong, you know. And this is where people tie themselves in knots on Twitter because someone says something about you, making a judgment, and the temptation is to go is to want to reason with them and argue with them, and then they either, if they don't reply, you're like, well, you're not, you know, then yeah. that that hurts. Whereas, but if they do and they're still like judging, you know, you can't seem to convince them, and you, you know, YouTube comments as well, just you get sucked in this spiral of trying to. Just give me one more chance yeah, <laughs> with yeah, this yeah, new yeah, information. Yeah. Just give me a. I'm just giving you a little bit more information each time. Just please, please change your opinion. But the, I mean, this and the other person isn't remotely motivated to. Uh, um, but, but I think. You know. But that's partly. I seem to be using the phrase "a function of the facts" today. <laughs> but it's partly a function of the fact that um, in normal life. You meet somebody or walk past somebody in the street and intentionally or unintentionally you form some sort of opinion of them, yeah. some sort of judgment. They don't know. No. Uh. <laughs> and so therefore, you know, you've just passed somebody on the street, they've decided you look lazy or whatever, and that's certainly, I mean, it doesn't bother you at all. Whereas on Twitter, it, frankly, these people are doing not much more than passing you in the street, except mm. that they're using their in, inside voice and writing it down and putting it on the internet. So for you to see, <laughs> it's like, whoa, excuse mm -hmm. me. Um, I mean, it's a waste of our own energy forming, you know, negative judgments about strangers, frankly. I think people that we work with, people that we... It's good to try and give people the chance to, you know, more than two seconds to, for you to form an opinion of them yeah, yeah. and act uh, upon it. Maybe uh, it goes gets filed, but mm. check in every so often and see if the evidence, you know, given more time and more evidence... Is your initial judgment still true? Mm. I think, and I think I often, I often sort of misjudge people a bit on first impressions. And I've had this with people that have a sort of like cartoonish appearance on first <laughs> impressions, like someone that I worked with that I kind of like wore really, really sort of flamboyant clothes and was always had some sort of crazy thing going on. And I was sort of like, you sort of, it's, it's like you dress like a children's TV presenter. And then I'd sort of like, yeah, I just can't deal with you. But then we sort of became quite, you know, good friends. And I just realised that she was just like, it wasn't like superficial. It was sort of like just how she lived. And so in that yeah. case, I was able to sort of, I was able to accept it then. Whereas when you sort of like initially judge and go, why would you let yourself look like that? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the unfortunate thing of like inside voice and outside. <laughs> it's like or with interviews, interviewing people for jobs. Yeah. You know, we all know that blah, blah, there's loads of literature about snap judgments and you make your opinion or you have you know, two seconds to make it blah, blah, blah. Because basically for me, the, the interview process is in part me spending you know, an hour, an hour and a half checking to see if my, you know, working out if what I thought was correct. If what, from the You know, like somebody walks in the room and you think, you know, they open their mouth, they show you something or they say something and you're like, huh? Mm. Well, I had this friend of mine was talking about somebody who she hasn't met face to face yet and he Mm. sent one email that sounded a bit odd but she was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's the mm. phrase I'm looking for, benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And um, But then he did some, there was a second email or some some other interaction, which again, didn't reflect well on him. And then the mm. conversation, she was having a conversation with someone who knew him and said, she asked, she was like, have I just formed a snap opinion? Mm. Or is he an arrogant Mm. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she said that she was like, "Is he just awkward, or is he arrogant? Why, why is he? You know, what's his problem?" <laughs> You've got uh, it's that's that Larry David thing. You've got a shy asshole confusion. <laughs> yeah. He's not shy. He's not an asshole. He's shy. No, I think he's an asshole. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you can just ask someone, "Is this per-? Yeah. So if, yeah, yeah. if someone else kind of gives you permission, you, you, so. They, the person can ask you for a second chance or you can ask someone else if you should give the person a second chance. Yeah. But there's also that, and we've talked about this not on the podcast, um, about that interview interviewing people and when you sort of have a feeling about someone, if you're sort of not sure about someone, but then you sort of really need to hire someone, you're like, okay, well, you sort of ignore the thing that you weren't sure about and then as soon as they start, it's like, oh, that was a really big deal. Why, <laughs> yeah. did we, why didn't we keep interviewing? Um, so that kind of like, sometimes you have got to trust your gut. You've got to sort of like, with interviewing, it's funny, isn't it? Like you really can't ignore. But then no. you can, it's not that you can't be surprised, but usually if you're kind of picking up on something when you do first meet someone, then there's a chance that that's quite a core part of their person and that yeah, yeah, and you're, you should trust yeah. your gut. It's, it's, it is really difficult. But then it does. That's why you do, you don't just kind of immediately kick them out of the room. And sometimes you can kind of they can change your mind after a while. You can be like, "Ah, oh, right, I thought that this about you, but then I realised, all oh, right, okay." Yeah, yeah. Or it can go the other way as well. It'd be like, "Oh, you're talking about." But but you've also yeah. got to be willing to be wrong. Yes, which I yeah, think yeah, yeah. That's, that's part right. of the mm. problem as well, which is that. You know, being allowed to be wrong is not a sign of strength or leadership for some reason, which mm. I think is, uh, I mean, we definitely made this point before, discussed it before in the context of politics. But, you know, what what is wrong with going, yeah, I met this person, I, I thought they were an asshole, but actually they're shy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's wrong with that? You know, that's yeah, not nothing a, wrong with it. No, that's fine. Most of us do come across, you know, like I'm at my most awkward when I'm uncomfortable or shy meeting or in a room with everyone's new. So I can't bear networking events. You know, however much I practice that, hello, stranger. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> like, Even with the my itch training. Um, yeah, it's the, like, the, 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 <sighs> But that's why last night fucked me off so much because uh, just two gratuitous swears this week. Uh, I'm sort of counting them going, well, was that needed? Um, 
because like I'm meeting people for the first time and suddenly I'm like being angry in front of them and that's the only data point they have about me now and it's your fault for making me do stuff on the computer uh you know like you get if people are emotional and have different moods then if you meet them when they're in one mood and don't know the range of their moods or maybe just the fact that they can be in that particularly strong mood means that you're like oh they're a moody person so Mm. even if they're not always in this mood then can't be bothered i I find yeah i find it increasingly difficult when i'm annoyed hiding it (laughs) (laughs) i used to be able to i think fake it i just can't now and it's just what's the point It's the point of hiding it. I don't know. It's like, yeah, you know, like in a in a work context, I think somebody a friend who was working with me said, She said, You did a very good job. I'm really fucked off and this is not okay without actually losing your shit. I was like, Oh thank you. It's like I think that's a skill. Um but I'm not sure. because sometimes you don't want people to know that they got to you. Right, but, yeah, well, that's a, yeah. Which is where judging yourself comes in. The sort of person you are, how harshly you judge yourself. Um, you do judge yourself more harshly than you would anyone else. And one of the things they tell you if you're depressed is like, would you, if this was someone else, would you say that to them, given yeah, yeah, these yeah. circumstances? Uh, to try and kind of, I don't know if it really works. You're like, yeah, but that would be someone else. That's not me. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like twisting your ankle in a rabbit hole and going, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> Yeah. Would you have said that to somebody else? Might not have said it, might have thought it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, like, th- that is, you know, if someone does hate themselves, then there's a chance they will be an arsehole because they, they will kind of They'll just un- jump to those unhappy. conclusions about you as well. Yeah. And I and, think yeah, you know, this, is my, this is where my Jesus ch- quote comes in. I found a okay. Jesus quote. Jesus quote. No, okay. no, very rare. But that whole do not judge so that you may not be judged. Right. Because um, it says, for the judgment you make, you will be judged and the measure you give will be the measure you'll get. Which yeah, I suppose is, that know. sort of ties in, doesn't it? And then there was this Buddhist monk guy that I came across many years ago called Buddhist monk guy. It's probably the most, you know, disrespectful. <laughs> then I just got, I got a Jesus quote. Ah, not very good at religion. Um, but <laughs> Tick Nut Han, his name is. And he wrote, apparently he came under some pressure at some point because... Uh, he refused to judge a pirate that had raped a young girl, and and he's not a defence of the of the pirate, but his sort of explanation was: if I had been born in the village of the pirate and raised in the same conditions as he was, I am now the pirate, but not yet capable of seeing and loving. And it's like a, but this and that's actually I'm I'm using the quote in the wrong context because what we're talking about is that if you're judging yourself on whatever you judge yourself on, you're going to judge other people on. Yes, because that's, that's what saying. you're going to be looking for. Yeah, yeah it, it comes down to that's like, how, yeah, yeah. how we work, what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, if we're yeah, looking yeah. for criticisms, and that's something I, you know, I grew yeah. up mostly doing. And I have a very finely tuned critical eye. Um, then that's that's yeah, that's what you're going to be looking. Whereas if you're looking for 
beautiful things and if you're looking for, you know, to enjoy, you know, nice things, then that's how you're going to perceive what, the yeah, world yeah, and that's yeah. what, how you're going to judge the world. Yeah. Donald Trump's judgment just I just even on the basics we were talking about sort of exams and, and the fact that Donald Trump is still willing to assign numbers to women you know like that that kind of grotesque sort of like oversimplification that sort of like reductionist mindset that is seems to carry across to his judgment of everything doesn't it yeah like yeah. totally oversimplify it to the point of absurdity and then have make very strong claims and make have very make very kind of big actions as a result of these utterly kind of shallow it, judgments yeah, it, it's a, yeah it's amazing how much that says about him that sort of you know the numbers to women yeah. thing not yeah, she was a not, six it's not yeah. just misogyny it's not just <laughs> arrogance or not you know it's not just mm. it's so many things about the way his brain works the way every it's just horrific I am. Um, I uh, I had my favourite little Facebook thing I've seen this week because I do just get. I seem somehow plugged more into American politics, I think, than uh, than the British. Sometimes I, I shared this picture of a guy standing outside. I think from the back of the head, it's a guy holding up a banner outside a white hat says tiktok motherfucker on it <laughs> it's like trouble TikTok. Is- it's so sinister and and funny at the same time it's like <laughs> get locked up by the yeah. bloody secret service when he, um, if, if that's interpreted in the wrong way oh, but then people have been saying that from the start and it's not it doesn't seem to be going yeah, but, anywhere he's but gonna he's, end but up then serving on the subject of judgment term, and like, law two yeah. of his Two, not one, but two people that he's closely associated with have been arrested and charged. Uh, you know, they are criminals. They're not just like, you know, didn't inhale or whatever. <laughs> like they yeah, are. but so is Hillary. Hillary's a criminal, kind of, if you believe some yeah. fake news articles I saw. This is now no longer a matter of people's opinions and backgrounds people that he is strongly associated. But it's the same as the Leave campaign. I'm not finishing my sentences. They've mm. cheated financially yeah, yeah. to no it's consequences. No consequences. Reality yeah. does not exist. Consequences aren't real. It's... Donald Trump is successfully changing reality by not believing in it. <laughs> and this is very worrying. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's like either we are a banana republic where people just do, you know, that's grossly corrupt and people win elections based on whatever they fancy, or we're not. And then these people need to face consequences. <laughs> One but yeah, voice. but coming back to but coming back to judgment, it's sort of like in your leaders, you want a supreme level of judgment skill yes. at judging situations. That's what you want. Like that's what you're looking for. So that's yeah. why it's you know, and you can talk about Cameron's judgment on the referendum. You know, doing the referendum and just absolute Awful. total failure of judgment that has just left us all in the shit. Because that's what you want from leaders and oh, we're not getting it anymore. <laughs> no, I, I had this, somebody, I don't know, randomly, I was like, because I was on the train, I've been on Twitter a bit more than usual. Because, mm. you know, so I've got this like bit of, you know, focus time. And somebody that I was following tweeted something that was like, a good programmer looks both ways when crossing a one-way street. Okay. 
which I thought, yeah, sure, you know. But actually, you could extend that. I was like, does this expand? It's like a good product manager looks both ways when crossing a one-way street, sees a car travelling the wrong way, asks if everyone sees it, discusses the speed and impact with the team, and then, depending on advice and data, decides whether we should cross the road anyway. If you're going to be responsible for any sorts of judgments or decisions of a country or a product or a team, you've got to be constantly scanning for risk but using information and data and experts to go no actually it doesn't matter the car's miles away it's not going to hit us we can all cross the road Mm. whereas I think if you're just reducing everything to this car scores one (laughs) then you're not you're just not looking broad you're not casting your measuring wide enough you've stopped thinking too soon so yes. yeah, judgment, yes. you, you've stopped collecting data immediately. Yeah. And so you're going to only make bad judgments. Yes. Yeah. Especially as most things in this modern life. So the brain must be programmed biologically. And I bet there is theory about this. Or I've it feels familiar, but maybe I'm making it up. It's like if your monkey brain needs to react to the presence of a predator, there's not a great t- length of time now to assess yeah. that and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, making snap judgments, important survival skill. Yeah. In the complex world that we live in, where that mm. thing that you've just seen out of your corner eye is probably not a lion yeah. that's coming to eat you, you could take a little bit more time and work out what yeah. it is and what you're going to do about it. <laughs> and give and it- this is one of the roots of... You know, one of the reasons uh, where there are now more suicides than the murders in the world, because uh, all this kind of this mental framework that's designed for survival and snap judgments and making those sorts of and and reacting to those things are now being just mistriggered all the time. Like you're getting this stimulus from all over the place all the time that's triggering these biological responses that are completely inappropriate and so it just it's it's causing you know a lot of mental health problems a lot of unhappiness and we don't have the it doesn't trigger the sort of psychological defense mechanisms in the way that actual danger does so you just get the bad parts of it you just get the prejudice you just get the sort of self-hate and all those things that come around from that yeah it's something you've got to stay on top of and be aware of and they're not really teaching it this is the second conversation this week where the, this idea that the brain was evolved for circumstances that no longer exist including mm. we were talking about consumption and growth and capitalism and the fact that mm. it needs to change in that context you know but as humans we're like i need more i need to pay i need yeah, more yeah. i need more and that's a biological survival thing yeah And as, you know, the question was, how long do you think, you know, will we evolve and how long does evolution take? And what, you know, don't, you know, can we evolve fast enough? We can't. Well, unless we kind of get our fingers in it, which, (laughs) which I think we're going to start having to do one way or another, but that's going to go very badly. Um, (laughs) And then uh, are we still human if we don't have these? Isn't humanity these legacy structures? Because we're not going to change now, really, because the environment needs to be stable for millennia in order for natural selection to take place. Maybe in sort of on a social level, like it's like just in terms of dating and reproduction, you know, it may not be be people dying before they get a chance to reproduce, but I, I guess the will be selecting for slightly different characteristics still on some level. But the fact that the playing field is constantly changing means that there's yeah, no you, you can't have these consistent kind of like no. opportunities for you know a direction. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, come to grandpodcast.com. You can come and look at the library. You can see all the links. So if we've mentioned a video, if we've mentioned a blog post, then you should be able to find that in the show notes and also on our library. People can find me at Ivanka on Twitter. And you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com. And if you want to help, please share our podcast. Please write us some reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We've got a little handful of some five stars. I had a look at that. We've got sort of 14, I think. Have we? <laughs> yeah. Yay! 14 review, five star reviews. So that's nice. Thank you very much. So keep them coming. Thanks very much to everyone that did submit a review. A, a gift basket is on its way. <laughs> and it's not, I don't even know what a gift basket is. So I've been don't watching too much Hollywood are. stuff. Tell your friends that actually mm. it's not that hard, it's not homework. And there's still no adverts on this, which is nice for you, isn't it? Because I've been listening to some new podcasts recently and they're just very uh, adverty. Maybe the fact that we don't necessarily need ads to support this <laughs> means that we can make that a selling point. But then if at some point we end up putting dynamic ads into all of our episodes, then this is going to sound pretty stupid. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, 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 bye. bye.